yeah, the beer industry to your point, like the beer industry has never had a me too moment like this. And that's where, you know, I immediately was like, okay, this is something in like beer history for women that we need to have the conversation. Now we need to get as many resources together, get as many people together and make sure change actually happens before it's too late. Welcome to Problem Performers, a podcast about professionals who challenge the status quo at work. I'm Rebecca Weaver, and yes, I too have been labeled a problem performer at least once or twice in my career. But looking back, I know where it is a badge of honor. In fact, all the most interesting people I know have earned this label at some point. In reality, these are the people who challenge their workplaces to be better and do better. I think we should all aspire to be problem performers in our work lives, because the only way to make real change is by shaking things up. So let's get started. All right, everyone, welcome back to Problem Performers. Um, Today, I am super excited to bring this amazing conversation to you. Um, I can't wait to tell you all about the work of this incredible woman. Ash Elliott um, is here to talk about the work she's doing with Brave Noise and Women of the Revolution. So Ash, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited. All right. So I think the best place to start, like just tell us a little bit about yourself um, and the work that you've done and um, kind of how you got started. Yeah. So I work in the beer industry. I have for about, I guess it's going on almost three and a half, four years. And I I used to work in music. I left kind of that corporate life. I worked for record labels doing digital marketing and PR. And uh, a few years ago, I kind of took a risk, took a chance and wanted to work in craft beer So I started doing freelance and every job you can imagine in beer from working festivals, beer tending, sales, et cetera. And and since I've worked now with a lot of different alcohol brands and and kind of branched out into other areas. But, um, you know, the first year of me getting into beer, I, I didn't know too many people in the industry. I you know, I knew that that transition from changing careers and going freelance was going to be difficult. And at the time, there is a group for for women in the beer industry called Pink Boots Society. Mm -hmm. And I actually didn't fit all the criteria to join because 25% of your income needs to come from a beer-related job. And I was still working on music projects and still kind of getting my foot in the door in the beer industry and working some festivals and things like that. And so I was just kind of like my first year in beer and I was like, well, it, maybe I should create a group that's a bit more open to women that either they work in the industry or they just love beer and want to learn more about it. So I launched Women of the Bevolution in uh, like the summer of 2019. And, and by then I actually did have a few different, uh, clients in beer and alcohol. So I did fit actually the criteria to join pink boots. So that was great. I got, I got to join that, but I still wanted to kind of create this platform and group where women can come together in safe spaces. They can network, they can find job opportunities and just, just have an open dialogue. And 
now it's been a couple of years since I launched it and it has definitely evolved into uh, more of an advocacy group, if anything. So it's been really amazing to kind of see the changes over this last couple of years and, um, and, you know, kind of going into what's happened uh, with women in beer over the last couple of months where Brianne Allen, a brewer at Notch Brewing, did a call out to her Instagram followers asking, have you ever experienced sexism in the beer industry? And immediately she received like hundreds of stories by women who have faced harassment, assault, sexism, racism, you know, uh, it just kind of was a domino effect. And Brianne started to share all these stories. And when I saw this happening, I, you know, I was like, I, I mean, I wasn't surprised. I was definitely a little triggered and, you know, frustrated, ups, like upset and disappointed. But, you know, when it came down to it, I was like, finally, these stories are, are out there. Yes. And this is a long time coming. And, um, it, and since, you know, now it's been a couple of months and there's been like thousands of, of women that have come forward, whether publicly or anonymously sharing stories, um, and addressing certain breweries. And again, when this started happening, I just felt, okay, I have this platform. I have this outlet. I want to share these stories. I want to work with these women and try to, to get them out of these toxic places find them the resources that they need, whether it's, you know, legal assistance or, um, you know, uh, talking to a trauma mental health specialist. Yeah. And yeah, so now it's just become uh, more of a resource hub for, for helping women, uh, you know, feel empowered in these situations and to find the help that they need. Yeah. I love that. I, it's so interesting because what I see happening in the craft brewing industry right now, it feels like such a microcosm of what we saw when Me Too went viral again a few years ago, right? Um, and and to me, it's so interesting because you look and you see all these stories just flooding. And it, I mean, it tells me a couple of things. First, that, that these stories are there, that these things are happening and yet there's no outlet. There's nowhere for, for people to go, you know, to talk about it. And so when there is an opportunity you know, when somebody asks the question, all of a sudden you see this complete flood of response. And I think that's what we're seeing. You know, that's what we saw happen on Instagram. Yeah, exactly. And I think women started to feel like, okay, this is a safe space for me to share my story, whether it's public publicly or, you know, a majority were anonymous and, um, you know, they've kind of, uh, you know, trusted Brienne too, to like be there to, to, you know, maybe help connect or, you know, even I know she's been kind of a mediator at times too. Yeah. And, you know, and since, you know, and her account has grown immensely, um, you know, to the point that I, I think she felt, okay, maybe, you know, let's create another account where women can share stories. And so then um, I know there's been a group behind uh, the Embolden Act Advance Instagram account, yep. um, which is another place where stories are being shared. And also since there's been like, new Instagram accounts regionally. Like I know there's like yeah. SD beer stories and, yep. you know, a few others that are all just trying to like bring awareness locally and, you know, and, and hold these, um, breweries accountable where possible. So they know like, okay, there's been an allegation. 
So how are you addressing it? Yep. And yeah, the beer industry, to your point, like the beer industry has never had a me too moment like right. this. And that's where, you know, I immediately was like, okay, this is something in like beer history for women mm-hmm. that we need to have the conversation now. We need to get as many resources together, get as many people together and make sure change actually happens before it's too late. Cause we, we can't just keep having this happen every time. Like the time is now to, to make these changes and address them. Yeah. And, um, and so that's, you know, that's, I'm trying to do my diligence here and in, in working with Brianne and, um, doing all that we can to support women in the industry. Yeah. It, it tells me to, I mean, when you see such a massive response, like we've seen, it tells me too, like there are so many structural problems, so many structural things in place. Um, that need to be fixed, you know, because there there is no place for these stories to go. You wouldn't see such a massive response if, you know, there were good structures and systems in place and reporting mechanisms and, you know, because what we keep seeing over and over with some of these stories that are being shared is, you know, I I had nowhere to go or I tried to report and I was dismissed, um, you know, in a number of ways. And And I think that is really what is being illustrated in, in the industry right now. Um, but I'll say like craft brewing is not alone. Um, there are so many other industries that will see this happening too, that if we don't fix the structures, this is the inevitable outcome, I, I think. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I most recently seen it, you know, in the wine industry, in uh, advertising. Ha- yep. There was tons of stories that were shared in advertising, uh, like a month ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, even coming from music, like even though I came from like a corporate structure, there still there still wasn't a lot of resources or process. And again, it's like in every industry, it's, it's not just about beer. This is about women everywhere that are facing these issues. Um, but going back to, to craft beer, it, you know, again, it is a lot of, uh, you know, it's a lot of, uh, I'm going to be real. It's a lot of, uh, white males who started these businesses. They were home brewing. They were like, I'm just going to start a business. And, but they don't know how to manage people, how to create a safe environment for women, how to support them and have these resources and have like, you know, a code of conduct and an, an HR. Yeah. And, uh, and that's the thing. It's like going back to the structure, there isn't structure and women don't know where to go to, to report these issues. And um, you can't talk to the owner, like you, you, right. you don't, have an HR resource. These are just small teams. And, and even like the production team, the brewers, like they're in their own, like on their own Island, right? Like they don't see what's happening in front of house. They don't get a chance to really connect with everyone on the team to just see like what's going on. You know, is it, is it inclusive? Like, is it safe? Um, And, you know, that's why I'm so glad that we're having this conversation because your expertise is so important for this industry Um, coming from the HR side of things. This is again, something that is, 
is is rare to find at yeah. a craft brewery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's really common. I mean, you know, companies um, start out, especially when they're smaller, um, you know, they don't have, um, they don't have the resources to invest. Um, but yes, this is the when you start out, um, especially if um, the founders, right, are um, friends or family or, you know, know each other, um, that tends to be a relatively homogenous group, um, just cause that's how we humans operate. Right. Um, and then the culture of the company, first of all, if you're not intentional about it, you're going to have a culture one way or the other, like you will have a company culture. It will develop regardless of what you do. So you have to be intentional about it. That is my, my advice to companies. Um, but very rarely do they think about it. Right. When, when companies start again, you know, you go back to those founders that are a relatively homogenous group, your company culture will take on the personality of that group. And so if it is, you know, this is how we end up seeing in industries like this, um, you know, being dominated by men, um, and frequently white men, um, and, and it is inherently not diverse. It is inherently not inclusive. And so this is, this is ultimately what we get. Yeah. And to your, to your point, it's like, you know, obviously going back to the early start of craft brewing, um, you know, it, it's all, even in like the ads that you see from like, you know, 20, 30 years ago, it's all targeted at men. So it's like men are starting these businesses. They're targeting men and women drink beer, women brew beer. (laughs) Yes. uh, that's, I mean, women do everything. So um, it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's extremely frustrating that we are still in this place. And, um, but I'm, I'm truly grateful that these stories have been shared because now we can address these yeah. issues a bit more publicly and we can work with these businesses to create the, you know, create policies and protocol and, and, you know, get women in leadership roles. You know, I think that's like the ultimate goal is that we need more women in leadership roles. We need, and they need to be supported the right way. So all of this is happening. Um, you're seeing all of this happening. And then you decided to do something really cool um, in response. So tell us about Brave Noise. Yeah. So Brave Noise um, is an initiative. It's a global collab brew that is spearheaded by Brianne Allen of Notch Brewing. Um, And again, she's the one that has shared all these stories by women in the industry. Um, She had brewed this beer, I think, you know, prior. And a lot of people had had come to her and was like, hey, is this going to be a collab brew? And, And she was like, yeah, like, let's make it a collab brew. And she had, you know, reached out to me because she knew that through Women of the Revolution, I was creating all these resources and had, you know, um, just some partners in place, um, whether it was, again, like legal consulting or, you know, talking to you, Rebecca, and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, like mental health specialists, et cetera, diversity uh, training specialists. And so I was like, yes, I'm, I'm so on board. Let's, let's make this happen. And so we developed this initiative based on, uh, you know, a few different guidelines. And first it's, um, you know, we're asking, uh, breweries to be transparent. We want to see their code of conduct and how it's checking off all these boxes to create a safe and inclusive environment. So brave noise, the whole mission is to create 
a safe and discrimination-free beer industry. So number one is code of conduct. And, you know, Rebecca, thank you. You have, you know, you, you sent us kind of some examples and guidelines that can help, you know, breweries that may need to revise their code of conduct, or maybe they just don't have something in place that they can post publicly. And that's been such a valuable resource. Um, So that's kind of the first step. And they have to post this code of conduct publicly, whether it's on their website, it's on a QR code that would be on the Brave Noise beer or uh, just somewhere visibly in the tap room. Because we want, what we ultimately want is for consumers to see this, right? And then hold that company to these guidelines, like saying like, oh, your code of conduct says all this, but you're doing this. Yes. Um, yeah, as much as like through this initiative, we wanted to hold breweries accountable. We technically really can't, but this is a way for consumers to get involved and to help keep a lookout and, you know, hopefully, you know, um, hold these breweries accountable in that way. And, you know, consumers need to know like what they're investing their money and time into. Mm -hmm. And hopefully it is into breweries that want to change and change this industry with us and, Um, and yeah, so then there's a second step is ultimately, um, uh, committing to the long-term work that is needed for this industry. And, um, the third thing is donating. We're encouraging that breweries donate a majority of the proceeds from this beer to a verified, uh, nonprofit organization. And so we've provided a list of these of these charities. And if um, you know a brewery has one that's local to them that fits our mission, we're happy to review and, and add to the website. But these organizations are creating safe spaces. They're um, you know they offer sexual harassment training, diversity training, um, HR resources, um, uh, mental health support. Um, so they all kind of fall in line with supporting staff, supporting consumers. And, and so we're hoping that, you know, through all of this, that, you know, we're bringing awareness, we're getting the consumers involved and, uh, you know, hopefully it's one step in that direction of creating a safe and discrimination-free industry. Um, and I also did want to mention that, you know, this, as is, this is open to commercial breweries. Um, we've also had some other beer related companies, you know, uh, want to get involved and offer, you know, kind of discounts and donations and things like that. Um, so it's been a really great response. Um, and homebrewers are also, uh, involved. So there's a homebrew recipe. I mean, honestly, the homebrewers, uh, the response has been amazing. So it's just great to see that, like, you know, um, just, just the overall support so far, you know, we're understanding that it's going to take some time for breweries to figure out their code of conduct. Yeah, and, yeah. and you know, you know how that process is. Yep. And, um, and that kind of, I think goes, I mean, goes into, you know, if, uh, if breweries are listening to this podcast and, you know, other, uh, you know, consumers, I, I mean, I think I'd love for you to kind of expand on, you know, what, you know, it really takes to create this code of conduct. If, if you yeah. don't mind kind of just sharing some of those guidelines and tips that you've 
kind of added to our Brave Noise beer collab. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so really quick, I'm going to take a step back just for the uninitiated too, right? Um, who are not familiar with with craft brewing and what a collab beer um, label might look like. Um, so what you just described are all of the hoops that um, a brewery, if a brewery wants to be able to brew the Brave Noise, isn't an IPA? Um a pale ale. Pale ale. Sorry, pale. this is me, not a beer drinker. Um, <clears throat> so if companies want to, um, if breweries want to brew this um, Brave Noise Pale Ale, these are all the hoops that they have to jump through, right? Um, they have to show that they have a code of conduct. They have to show that they're committed. They have to do this donation to the nonprofit. Um, and then they um, will receive the recipe, right? And be able to brew this particular label. I just think it is such a cool concept. And I'm not surprised that you've seen such a huge response from people, um, you know, and then being, you know, one of your partners um, as HR Uprise, as one of your partners, um, you know, we've we've seen just this incredible response. And, you know, it's, we're seeing this in other industries as well um, at HR Uprise, um, where people um, in the industry see all of this happening and say like, Oh my God, what, like, what can I do about it? You know, what can I do to, um, help affect change? And so this is one of the ways that you can do that. And so I absolutely love, 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 love this, um, concept and love what you guys are doing. Um, and super proud to be a partner with you. We'll be right back. Restaurant workers suffer the highest rates of harassment of any industry, and it's only gotten worse since the pandemic. HR Uprise is responding with 86 Harassment. 86 Harassment is a coalition of restaurant leaders who want to eradicate harassment in their workplaces. Members receive resources and support from HR Uprise to help prevent harassment before it starts, including anonymous reporting software, independent investigations, confidential HR coaching, templates and tools to help you build more inclusive company practices, and ongoing training in harassment prevention and allyship tactics that are engaging, fun, and actually work. If you're a restaurant owner, reach out to us for a free consultation at hruprise.com slash 86 harassment. That's H-R-U-P-R-I-S-E dot com slash 86 harassment. So, you know, for the code of conduct, um, you know, ultimately this is your public statement about what type of behavior you are willing to tolerate and what you are not. Um, and that is, I think, one of the definitions that I give people um, for company culture is it, your company culture is defined by the worst behavior you're willing to tolerate. That is ultimately it. And so your code of conduct really should be your statement to your employees, to the public, um, to vendors um, that you're engaging with, right? It should be your statement on, you know, this is the, the standard of behavior that we expect from each other. And so that to me is what brings it to life because people, you know, hear about employee handbook or policies or things like that. And, you know, they sort of go, oh, that's boring HR stuff. Um, but, and it can be, um, if all it is, is something that's written in a handbook that nobody ever looks at. Um, but I think this is one of the most important um, components of company culture is to, to make a statement to say, 
this is what we expect from each other. Um, and these are the things that we absolutely will not tolerate. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and I think, I think that, you know, putting this like publicly visibly, like in the tap room on their website, it should not be that difficult. Like Mm -mm. it should be, excuse me, just part of the overall day-to-day business practices. Like you want to protect your staff, you want to protect your consumer, you want everyone to feel like you're, you're in a safe environment. So I, I'm hoping with this initiative that yeah. that conversation and is more open. There's open dialogue. There's more transparency with these yeah. businesses. It shouldn't be something to, to hide at, at, at all. These are all just like normal business things that everyone should have in place. And, uh, and yeah, so, so yeah. we'll see. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. Um, well, I'm super curious, like what advice do you have for, um, someone in the workplace who wants to make some noise about something that they've seen or experienced themselves? And then what do you, what is your advice for consumers who, you know, want to be able to make a statement about this? Maybe they don't work in the craft brewing industry, but they're, you know, a big consumer. Um, so what's your advice to both of those groups? Definitely. So I, I would say for, you know, for staff and for those that work in the industry that are, um, you know, that maybe want to get involved or have faced uh, a similar situation uh, to, to the stories that have been shared. Um, I think the first step is, is open dialogue. I mean, it's, you know, I think sharing your story is, is so important despite how, you know, terrifying it can be, especially if you don't have the proper resources, but there are resources. I think mm-hmm. that's the thing. It's like women need to know there are resources. You have a right. You need to know your rights. Yeah. You should find legal help. You should, um, you know, if if it is a harassment or assault, there's many organizations, you know, like RAIN and, and regionally, there's a lot of, of um, organizations that are there to support you. There's emergency hotlines. So I, 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 as scary as it is, I think that, you know, the more everyone speaks up, the more likely change will happen. Yeah. And, um, and again, there are, you know, there are just so many resources and, um, and, you know, even, you know, a lot of conversations I've had recently is like, you know, women that are going into these workplaces to interview for jobs, right? Like knowing what to ask in that conversation, um, you have a right to ask it, how this environment is like, what yes. is your code of conduct? What does that look like? You know, behind the scenes, what is, you know, is it inclusive? Like, are there other women working here? Um, You know, what is your HR type of policy in terms of like reporting situations? Uh, These are all like normal questions. Like we need to make this normal. We may, it should be normal. Like when you go into an interview, you shouldn't be afraid to ask these questions. And, you know, I've, I've done this uh, a million times in interviews. I, I, you know, I just, I want to get my foot in the door. I want to just focus on what the job is and the opportunity, but you know, you can't, you, you won't know about the company until you ask these questions and it would be a lot worse to get hired and then find out these things. And it's like a toxic work environment. It, you know, it's draining to your mental health. It puts, you know, you at, at risk. Um, and, and you just won't, 
you won't do your best in, in these, you know, in these, in this environment, if you, you know, don't have the proper resources, et cetera. So I think, again, like we need to normalize asking these questions up front. And mm-hmm. if a company does not, you know, doesn't want to talk about that or respond, then that's a red flag. Then that's it's a flag. Move on. Yeah, nope. exactly. So I think that's, what's truly important is when women, you know, are, are interviewing for jobs or even currently working at a brewery or beer related business or any business, you know, they should be asking these questions by the owner, the HR person, if there is one, like there should be that transparency. And if they don't want to answer these questions, and that's again, a huge red flag and they need, they should leave these places, um, immediately. Yes. Um, in terms of like reporting, you know, um, I think, you know, we, with brave noise, we have one of our partners, uh, it's a free reporting app called not me mm-hmm. and you can download it in the app store and, you know, it's all confidential and you can submit a claim or submit a, a situation at a, a business. They've actually built out a whole page for uh, the beer industry too. And uh, so they're well aware of what's going on. They've been extremely supportive and addressing the issues and they've just, you know, they're a great resource. And so, um, so yeah, if you report uh, it through not me, they'll put you in contact like within 24 hours, like with legal aid or, you know, anything to help you get out of the situation and find the, the help that you need. And then, you know, kind of going to the consumer side of things, you know, consumers have all the power, you know, it, it's the staff and, you know, the professionals in the industry can only do so much. I mean, we can only have so many conversations, ask these questions. Um, You know, what it comes down to is the consumers. They are the ones that have, you know, they're, they're out there, they're out there, Mm -hmm. they're investing their money, investing their time. And, you know, it's like, would you want to invest in a place that was uh, treating their employees like shit and also not creating a safe environment for consumers? Like, how would you feel if your your best friend worked at one of these breweries or, you know, your, your family, someone in your family did? Like, you want to make sure they're getting the support they need and that it's a safe space for them. So I think, you know, thinking in that mindset, when they go into a brewery or, you know, any sort of establishment that they're investing their money in, they should know what they're supporting. Because if they're supporting a place that is toxic and unsafe, like that's just, it's just, the nothing will ever change. Like it will just continue to be toxic and this place will grow and just spread the toxic toxicity, you know? And So to that point, you know, consumers should look and see like in the beer industry right now, like how are breweries addressing the stories that were shared by Brianna Allen? Mm -hmm. Um, How, if they were, you know, um, called out via Instagram, um, you know, have they taken the right actions to make changes? Um, and, you know, also just look around the room, like at the tap room, does it look inclusive? Like, does it, you know, does there, is there a website, how's their website and their social media? How does that look? Does it, is it look diverse? Like who makes the beer? Like who's behind the scenes? Is there transparency in that? 
Um, and also like, what is the safety protocol for consumers? Like if you're yeah. faced with, a uh, a situation that is harassment or, you know, uh, racism or assault. Like what is that protocol to getting a consumer out of this situation and getting them the help that they need? And that, you know, that goes back to, which I know we've discussed, you know, uh, initiatives like the angel shot or ask for Angela, where that's like a red flag to staff to like, get this person to safety immediately. Yes. Um, and it shouldn't be difficult to put these initiatives in place. Like it, it should just become normalized, you know? Yeah. So can you talk just a little bit about the angel shot and ask for Angela? Like, what are those? Like, cause I, ultimately consumers have so much power in this. And I think we're seeing, um, this massive shift generationally, um, that people do care, you know, they care where they spend their money. They care that it matters. Um, you know, they care that the organizations, um, are ethical, um, that they're diverse, inclusive, that these things do matter. And, but, but the consumer voice is so, so important. Um, but I think what you're talking about too is is so key um, that there's a safety question for the consumer too, for the client or customer. Um, so can you talk a little bit about some of those initiatives? So as for Angela, I'll start there because that, you know, again, was an initiative out of the UK. And I actually recently connected with the woman that founded it. So I'm, I'm mm. really excited to talk with her about that. And so that whole uh, plan of action was that if you are facing um, you know, uh, assault or harassment while at a, a bar or a restaurant, you know, if you go ask the bartender, um, if Angela's working, that's like an immediate flag that you need help. And then there's like, usually there's steps that, that they would take, like they, you know, get security to like escort you out. They, you know, will get you a lift if you need a a ride home. Um, So there's definitely like, I guess every establishment is a little different on how they're going to respond to it. But I think that that is just like staff should be aware that this person needs help. This is the way we're going to do it. We're going to do it in a very, you know, discreet manner and get them out of here, get them in a lift, get them home, whatever it takes. And so then the other initiative, which I think is more well-known is Angel Shot. And so that actually, um, and, and also uh, going back to ask for Angela, there's also, I've seen like, you know, businesses will put the sign in the bathroom mm-hmm. for like the women's bathroom. Um, or if it's like, you know, uh, you know, for both genders, like I think that they've also put it up there. And so, um, so usually that's how, you know, uh, consumers will know that like, okay, they have like an emergency like plan if someone needs to get out of here. And the angel shot, again, I think we've seen more of where, you know, sometimes they'll post signs in the restrooms or it's just become like an something known in the industry a bit more that if someone orders an angel shot at the bar, they need help. They, mm-hmm. they need help immediately. Staff needs to address them, get them to safety, get security, whatever it might be. And, um, and so I think, you know, as much as that has become, you know, I guess it's more of a more well-known in the industry, but again, like, I don't know how, like, do all consumers know? So I think like having that sort of signage in the, in the restroom or talking more about it, you know, is really, really, really important so that consumers 
do know how to get out of these situations if, you know, if they're facing that. Um, and you know, going back to the beer industry, the thing is like angel shot doesn't really transfer (laughs) to like, like that's kind of, it's a little obvious, I guess, if someone orders an angel shot at a A shot, yeah, yeah, like what (laughs) that's like immediately people are just like, what is going on? So I think that's why the industry has been, you know, a few of us have been talking about, well, what is that? Is it, Mm -hmm. you know, um, is it a taster, you know, like an, I, I want the angel taster or, you know, some, something else and every brewery can make it their own or every bar can make it their own. It could be a special specialized cocktail. Um, I've seen some, I actually recently saw one bar that had like, there was like different tiers. Like you ordered, there's three different kinds of cocktails. And if like, you know, number one was like, you know, uh, need to get, get you a lift and leave immediately Two is like, you know, um, I can't remember exactly what two was, but every cocktail is like different. So then it's like, okay, this is like the urgency. This is like the emergency level. Yeah. And so I think that was really uh, interesting. And, um, and these, again, these are just so easy to put in place. Like every bar and brewery should have something like this already. Yeah. I mean, I think with this and with all the other stuff that we've been talking about, like it really comes down to being intentional you know, having a process in place for safety, thinking about that, um, whether it's for your employees or your customers, your clients um, who are coming through the door. Um, it, it's about being intentional and and having process in place that will keep people safe. Like that, that's ultimately what all of this is about. And I love, yeah, I love these initiatives that you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and hopefully they, they do catch on. I really hope that ask for Angela does, um, become more widely known as well here in the U S and, um, and, you know, going back to like, you know, when these businesses start, you know, I get it, you know, it's, it's home brewers that, and, and that want to start their own business and open a, a brewery, but that should be, what they should be thinking about before even opening that yeah. like you have all this time to plan before you open your physical brewery. So yeah. why not start thinking about what are, what is the protocol? How can we create a more diverse uh, and supportive environment? And uh, I mean, it's just like, it boggles my mind because I'm all, you know, it's like, I'm always thinking about it and now more than ever, I'm surrounded by it. And I'm just like, how is this not, how is this not number one when you're opening a business? It doesn't matter what business it is. Like you, you have consumers that can hold you accountable. So like you should have all these you know, procedures already in place. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's why the work you're doing is so, so important. So when you think about um, the future, you know, what are your dreams and what is next for women of the Bevolution and for Brave Noise? Yeah. Well, for Brave Noise, that initiative does uh, have kind of like a a deadline Mm. (laughs) because we do want the conversation to happen now. So we have um, made the deadline for, you know, end of this year, end of December, we need these, uh, we need these brews to, to be released, you know, this year we want this conversation, conversation to keep going. Um, there's definitely some breweries that have approached us about events. Um, so that has been, uh, talked about for maybe September, October, Brianna and I were talking about, maybe there's a brave noise tour and we go around regionally and, you know, bring in different resources and experts to talk at these events and, um, and, you know, 
address address what's going on with consumers too. So that's kind of like a big focus uh, is just figuring out what is that next step? How do we keep the conversation going after the beer is released? Are there events and conferences that we can, you know, can, you know, have brave noise a part of. <clears throat> and then for, you know, women of the revolution, it again has evolved into more of an advocacy group, which is amazing. And I am continuing to develop these resources I eventually want to create a hub just for all the resources that I've gathered and all these experts that I've spoken with to empower women. And it's hopefully going to be called Speak Easy Movement. And it's all about how to speak up, how to know your rights, get the resources you need to ask the right questions at your uh, of your employer, get out of these toxic situations. Um, and so on. So that's something that has been a huge priority for me that I want to develop over the next few months. And, you know, in terms of the future, I'm really optimistic and uh, hopeful that women will leave these toxic places if they're not getting the support they need and collab with other women, start their own business, find male allies who are supportive and, you know, eventually I want to be part of that. I want to support them. I I mean, I'd love to help them fundraise, you know, develop maybe a VC firm um, focused on women in the beverage industry to to kind of help them start their own business um, and offer grants too, whether it is working with a nonprofit or of, of or providing grants via Women of Bevolution. So I'm I'm all about like ensuring that women have the support they need. And uh, I, I'm all in, I like, you know, all in it. <laughs> you are, I love, it's amazing um, the work you're doing and it feels like you've only just begun. Um, this industry is um, ripe for change and I'm just so grateful to have you as a part of the change that needs to happen. Well, thank you. It's a, it's a long road and, uh, but I'm, you know, I'm extremely hopeful and I've met so many women like yourself that have just truly, it's been an amazing resource and just building this network of, of women that I, I hope we, we, we can work together for a long term and really create change in this industry and beyond. So thank you, Rebecca. I, I really appreciate you being part of Brave Noise and allowing me to, to come on your podcast and, and speak about what's going on. Yeah, of course. I am honored to, honored to be a part of it. Um, so where can people find you? We'll include some links in the show notes and all of that, but if people want to find out more, where can they connect with you um, and find out more about your initiatives? Yeah, so you can go to womenofthebevolution.com and follow on Instagram. It's just at womenofthebevolution. And um, yeah, and then if you want to check out the Brave Noise collab, it's just bravenoisebeer.com. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been an amazing conversation. Um, Thank you so much for sharing and for all the work that you're doing. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Problem Performers is a production of HR Uprise Media, part of an organization built around a single question. What if you could have HR that works for you rather than your boss? Well, now you can with your own HR Uprise coach. 
Get affordable, confidential advice from an experienced HR pro who works only for you. Learn more at hruprise.com. That's H-R-U-P-R-I-S-E.com. And hey, employers, we've got you covered too. HR Uprise provides independent investigations, harassment prevention training, private employee coaching, and much more. Find us online at hruprise.com or email us at hello at hruprise.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.